Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, October 29th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Reverend Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster Only, working from my hotel room down in Atlanta, where later today, we hope they will play game three of the World Series. We'll be talking about the weather coming up with Carl Ravitch. Some news and notes from yesterday. The San Diego Padres have hired the Oakland Athletics manager, Bob Melvin, as San Diego's new manager. According to sources, Bob Melvin's going to get a three-year deal. There's a lot of interesting uh, dynamic to this, whether it's from the Padres' perspective, an excellent hire, or from that of the Oakland Athletics or the whole industry. Like, where were the New York Mets on this hiring? Miguel Rojas has agreed to a two-year, $10 million contract to stay with the Miami Marlins. They lock him up uh, for the next two seasons. Cincinnati Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson has been promoted and given the added title director of pitching. Yesterday, he had optional workouts at Truist Park near uh, where I'm sitting today. Dusty Baker spoke with reporters and he talked about how the Astros have a disadvantage. It's a bit of a disadvantage that our guys can't really. We're working on it now, trying to get on the field for a few minutes because a lot of these guys have never played here and. Somebody informed me the last time he played here was 2017, I guess it was. And that's that's a long time ago to not be familiar with the, you know, with the field, with the dimensions and the caroms and, and the corners. So we're going to try to get out there and learn the best we can. Here's Astros pitcher Luis Garcia, who will start game three. It's like a dream, to be honest. Um, when I, when I, when we was about to start the series, I was, sometimes I, I thought like, like, Wow, this is incredible. I mean, I couldn't believe it. But now uh, I have to believe the moment, like be, like believe it. You know, that's what I, what I think about that. Here's Bay's manager Brian Snitker. Home crowd, the energy they provide. Um, you're back in familiar surroundings here with this ballpark and everything going on, and I, I think it does play a definite uh, role in in the fact that we do play well here. Ian Anderson will start game three for the Braves. I think they've all done a great job so far. Um, I think the biggest thing's probably going to be, you know, limiting that big inning. Um, I, I think the second inning kind of, you know, spelled us out yesterday, but um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. You know, still going to pitch my game, still going to do what, I, what I've been doing all year um, and, and try to get us back in the dugout and, and let those guys do their thing. Yeah, I'll be talking with Carl and with Sarah Langs about pitching chaos that could ensue here in the remainder of the series because the injuries that both teams have suffered with their rotation. And we heard this yesterday. PETA has asked Major League Baseball to rename the term bullpen to arm barn. And as someone who grew up on a dairy farm, I've got strong opinions about that. Taylor, what do you think? Buster, the arm barn thing is uh, it's a thing. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Uh, But first, I want to mention you can listen to all the World Series games on ESPN Radio all weekend long as the series turns to Atlanta. You tune in Friday, Saturday and Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for pregame coverage. First pitch is about 8.09 every night, I believe. And last call for Swagoo and Perk, ESPN's newest podcast uh, with Marcus Spears and Kendrick Perkins. Those guys are hilarious. I really am enjoying the show. I used to work with Swagoo on SEC this morning at ES, or, uh, Sirius XM before he made it big and, and was on to uh, bigger and better things. And he is, he's a true talent. So check that out, Swagoo and Perk, wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. All aboard. It's the Rabbit Train with Carl Rabbit. Carl Rabbit, of course, host of baseball tonight uh, during the course of the World Series. How are you doing today, Rabbit? I'm doing very well. Getting set, train set, heading up to Bristol, Connecticut, where we'll be for our uh, pregame shows and postgame shows this evening. What time? Uh, what time are the shows coming on today? I guess it probably depends to some degree on the weather, right? Uh, no, well, assuming that the game is going to be played, we'll be on from five to six, and then Sports Center at six, and then seven to eight for a full hour leading up to the game, of course, at eight o'clock. Yep. All right. Uh, before we digest the last note I gave in the news and notes. Uh, Pete is uh, putting out the statement urging Major League Baseball to rename the bullpen from bullpen uh, to arm barn. And I can speak to this firsthand, Carl. I I, I just don't think that uh, if you say bullpen, that it's insensitive to cows. Among all the cows I knew, and I've known a lot of cows in my lifetime, right? Uh, I don't think any of them would have been offended by the term bullpen. What do you think? I, well, again, I defer to you on that. You're the expert. You've talked to cows before. And if uh, you, yes. you're telling me that no cow has ever said to you a buster, I know you you cover baseball for a living. Uh, I really would appreciate it if they would consider changing the name bullpen to arm barn. But if that's never been communicated to you, um, you know, then then I would I'm going to take your expertise on that. I, I do struggle with it, although arm barn is kind of a cute name. I, I don't mind arm barn. It's, it's neat and uh, kind of speaks to the stable that Kevin Cash once referred to in a sense. But I would imagine that the horses would then speak up a little bit about that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, whichever direction we go in, I, I don't it, it doesn't matter to me. I, I think it's a lot like old uh, old ballparks whose names get changed. Many people still refer to. Uh, let's say the Boston Garden, which obviously has had its name changed to the Boston Garden. I would imagine it's going to take a long, long time if they change the name for people to stop referring to it as as bullpen. Maybe we'll just whisper, you know, bullpen. I, I think that's these names stick for a long, long time. Yeah. And I was someone who as a kid, I, I've told you this story in the past. I melded together baseball and my cows 
Uh, I created this dice game. Uh, it was a very simple dice game where I rolled two dice and it would give a result. And the teams that I built, because I just felt like that the real Major League Baseball players were gods and they, uh, my game was not worthy of them. And the idea right. of writing Fred Lynn or Jim Rice or Steve Garvey or Ron yep. Say into my dice games, it just didn't seem right. So I used my cow's names, like Rebecca, who was our oldest cow. Uh, she was, uh, you know, I worked on body type. She was the first and third baseman in my dice game, uh, had some power. And I'm thinking that, you know, if I, if Rebecca were alive today, she just wouldn't be bothered by that. I can, I can promise you that. <laughs> they All should right. consult you. You're an expert on this. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, before we get to uh, game three of the world series, let's talk about Bob Melvin going to the Oakland athletics, uh, a great hire. I exchanged a text last night with, uh, the athletics, Tony Kemp. And asked him, hey, what do you think? And he said he is the ultimate players manager. Uh, talked about how transparent and honest he is. And he talked about what a great hire this is for the San Diego Padres. What do you think? Oh, I, I love it. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's genius. I think it's uh I think it's I think it's a credit to AJ Preller, who's made so many moves and many of which you look at and be like, Yep, I get that, I get that. Ooh, that's that's a little aggressive. Didn't need to do that. This one this one seems to to sort of be the you know the the finishing touch, if you will, and doesn't guarantee World Series success. But boy, that's a that's a pretty cool thing. And I you know give credit to the A's who just let him go without any compensation coming back, and you know still money and deal years left on a deal. It's it's one it's really good. It's uh it makes a it just makes sense. And a lot of a lot of times in these situations, some of the decisions that teams make, you you kind of look at and wonder. I'm not, I'm not seeing that this, this is a, is a beautiful, brilliant move. It's wonderful for him. He's managed to keep that team competitive with no budget. There's clearly a budget. There are clearly superstar players. And this is, this is in a lot of ways, like these, these uh, general managers who leave Tampa Bay and then go. And in the case of Kime, he goes to Boston where there's money and obviously Andrew in LA and there's money and talent that you're just not necessarily used to. And here's Bob Melvin now leaving Oakland where there's been talent, but there hasn't been money. Now going to a place where there's talent and apparently money. And let's see, let's see how he handles the, you know, the Ferrari. It, it's a great opportunity for him. I, I hope he has success. He's, he's as good as there is in, in, in every aspect from communicating to his players, to dealing with the media, to strategy, to analytics, to old school uh, and heck, he loves all the restaurants around the country. And here's just another chance for him to dive deep into the San Diego food scene. Yeah, exactly. We got a note overnight from ESPN Stats Information that Melvin's been to the playoffs seven times. The only active managers with more playoff appearances are Tony La Russa, Dusty Baker, Terry Francona, and Joe Madden. And I got to say, you know, as this process was playing out, because I was hearing you know, that they weren't really engaged with Bruce Bochy and they weren't engaged with Buck Showalter. I talked to Ron Washington the other day and I asked him, <laughs> hey, you know, what have you heard? You know, because Wash was the the person who finished second to Jay Stingler the last time. And he said, you know, nothing. And, and you kind of wondered, boy, would A.J. Preller make the same mistake again and, and hire another uh, manager without experience? Right. And I say mistake because that clearly became an issue among the players. He needed to hire a manager with experience Yep. And nope, they go and hire one of the best guys. So absolute tip of the cap for them for, for how this played. I agree with you about the athletics, you know, give the front office credit for giving them, um, you know, Bob Melvin, the flexibility to go and explore other situations, even while he was under contract. 
it does also signal in a very, uh, I think, not great way about what's to come for the athletics. You know, an ex- yeah. expectation that they're going to slash payroll and maybe uh, ownership there was happy to uh, shed itself of Bob Melvin and his $4 million a year contract. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, there is, there. I think a lot of the obligation that they had, you know, is, is a result of having somebody like that there. Like the ultra professional never complained publicly about any of the situations that he was presented with. And now you absolve yourself of that, in a sense, responsibility. You clearly should have a responsibility to the fan base there to continue to um, you know, provide a, a product that is competitive. But I, I do think some of, some of that goes by the wayside when he leaves. It, it would really be, it would really be unfair to, to Melvin to say, look, we're, we're going through this and you're going to be part of it given, given the soldier status he's established there. But that, that wouldn't necessarily stop them. But I do think it does. I agree with you. It does absolve them. And I don't know, Buster, is this a, is this another example here of recent hirings in Major League Baseball of managers who have experience over the inexperienced, young, just analytic guy? Um, you know, it's a, this is an indication that that didn't work in San Diego. And we do go back to somebody who's done this for a long time, who is very acutely aware of the importance of statistics and analytics and the way we look at the game now, but has that touch of experience, player relations, and, and that becomes um, certainly may, maybe more heavily weighted than than what was going on, I'd say, in the last five to seven years. Yeah, I agree with you. It feels like the pendulum swinging back the other day, which is why, you know, three weeks ago, when there was uncertainty about Aaron Boone's situation, the point that you know needed to be made was, that as far as front offices are concerned, there's not a great field of managerial candidates to go with. And so if the Yankees had moved on from Aaron Boone, the question would have immediately become, okay, great, but then who? Uh, And he immediately would have been attractive to other teams because it's not like he's anti-analytics. He uh, has been using these in, in recent years. He probably, I mean, my God, can you imagine a, you know, I'm sure Billy Bean, it was, you know, the great ties, the USC would have mm-hmm. probably been all over him <laughs> yeah. you know, yep. if he was looking for a manager today. And, and uh, so Bob Melvin, 100%. yeah, really highly. Yeah. No, hundred percent. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. I, I, I agree with you. And that, that, that acts uh, without having the crystal ball. I think you just nailed it. Uh, if, if Bob Melvin were allowed to go to San Diego and Aaron Boone was a free agent, gosh, he's at the top of that list in Oakland. Uh, you're hundred percent. Right. That's a, that's a great call. Uh, and meanwhile, all these teams are making moves. You got hitting coaches being hired and pitching coaches being hired and promoted in the case of Derek Johnson. Uh, Bob Melvin moves to the Padres and the Mets are standing at the street corner and watching the traffic zoom by. I, I'm, it's amazing because it feels like Bob Melvin would have been a perfect choice for them. It's a it's a uh, it's an odd, I, I don't I don't really understand it. <clears throat> um, uh, you know, Sandy's yeah. got a lot of respect in the industry. I understand that that the owner, you know, is, is very uh, out there when it comes to social media. But that that's that's also an owner that's got a lot of money. It's an owner who's invested in this franchise who who wants to see this thing win, you know, worse than worse than anybody, at least that I can come up with uh, as far as ownership goes. Uh, I'm I'm confused, Buster, by by the inability of that organization to land you know, to land a front office. I, I don't really understand it. 
And I, I've yet to see anybody explain to me wh- why they're hesitant or running away from it other than he'd be a hard guy, <clears throat> excuse me, to work for. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, most of these people that are in front offices have the ability to figure out environments that that's why they're good at what they do. They can walk into a clubhouse and deal with personalities and cultures and people from different countries. So are we, is this the hill that, that everybody is looking at saying, I'm not, I'm not going to go die on that because of ownership. I'm, I'm struggling with, with what the repellent is for all of these individuals. I don't really get it. I think it comes down, Carl, to uh, one phrase, and that is chain of command that, you know, especially with these, uh, you know, the the modern generation of front office folks, they want a predictable, reliable chain of command. What they don't want to wonder is, uh, is the owner going to be tweeting out injury information before they're prepared to release it? Is the is the owner going to tweet out that a game has been postponed before they're going to release it. Are they, they're worried about whether or not, uh, you know, Francisco Lindor uh, is going to become really close friends with the owner and then, uh, you know, help to dictate moves like trading for Javier Baez. That's all part of the conversation going on right now. Um, And it's been interesting because it does feel like that there are a number of people who the Mets have been interested in. And those people have been like, yeah, you know what? I'll engage a little bit. I'll flirt a little bit. And then I'll use that opportunity uh, to, to better my situation with my current team. But I don't want to go into that uh, place where there's questions about the chain of command. Does that make sense? To some extent I'd need, I would need to know how, how much the flirtation goes. Uh, The idea that I'm interested, but I, I, I'm not really going to talk to them. I, I mean, I, you know, no, I, I, I understand very, very little about that. I, I would think that my first goal would be to, to go in there and have a meeting and have an interview and flush these things out. But I, I don't think you can let hypotheticals and fear own you. When, when you are afraid of the unknown and you become paralyzed by it, um, I, I think that's a, that's a great risk. I don't, I don't relate to that. I think that you've got to go in there and say, I'll figure this out. It's a unique opportunity. You have the conversation, you, you try to, to the best that you can make sure that, uh, any injury news is going to come from this office and not from that office. And if ownership or someone else is unwilling to acknowledge that's how this is going to work. Well, then then you can say, OK, well, I, I can't deal with that, but I'm not going to worry about who Francisco Lindor is going to befriend or not befriend or things like that. that. That's part of my job to set a culture and establish a culture. So I, I want to I'm, I'm willing to embrace that challenge with certain parameters in place that I think most organizations would acknowledge are are acceptable or not acceptable. Yeah, I, I, I would like I don't. So I'm not fully on board with again what what this what this reluctance or 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 inability to get people in there is i don't quite get it so you know someone who i think obviously shares your perspective to some degree is perry manassian uh the general manager of the angels Artie moreno's got a reputation of being a difficult you know sometimes he, he can be upset he can go and uh you know do uh negotiations directly as he did with albert pujols um, and I think Perry's perspective, and I, he hasn't said this to me, but I'm just guessing because uh, that stuff was all out there. 
that he basically decided, you know what, there's 30 opportunities here to run baseball operations in yeah. the world. And this is someone who has a lot of money. They got the best player in baseball uh, in Mike Trout. This is when he took the job. They have this incredibly uh, talented two-way player <laughs> in Shohei Otani. I'm going to go there and I'm going to take my shot. He and I think exactly alike. That's what exactly. I'm saying. We've got weather issues here in Atlanta. It looks like it's going to rain tonight. Um, the forecast hourly is not horrific, but it's not great. We'll see if uh, they wind up getting a postponement tonight. The hourly forecast for Saturday is much better. It you know cloudy and and not not great uh, weather for baseball, but still a lot better than what they expect today. And boy, if there's a postponement tonight, Carl, it would throw these two pitching steps already yeah. facing major challenges into absolute chaotic mode. It would. And I think, you know, my, my guess is it would require them to play on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Good yep. luck. I mean, it, it, it just becomes an absolute war of attrition and it, 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 it changes. I mean, I, I think that if I look at these two teams right now, I would slightly favor Houston, just given the Morton injury. Um, and certainly that, that would increase if there was a rain out, but it also means that uh, an Astros pitching staff and an Astros bullpen, which has been used like many others, um, be- becomes much a much greater part of the equation. Um, yeah, a, a rainout tosses the whole thing into into complete disarray, and it it it, w- it will become just that. It's a it's who sur- it's the survival of the and I don't even know if fittest is the right word because I don't think any team at this stage of the season is fit to go five days in a row. I, I don't, um, especially with these two offenses and what they're both capable of. It, it would be a, it would be a nightmare. It would also be very interesting and fascinating and making, ma- make the series as unpredictable as, as any perhaps series we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. From what I've been told on the Braves side, they literally feel like they'll be making pitching decisions from day to day where yeah, it's course. like, OK, with this, we saw what happened in game three. Here's who is available in game four. How can we piece this together? And the cool thing is, no matter who wins, whether it's the Astros or the Braves, pitching heroes are going to emerge, you know, and maybe that's Zach Ranky, you know, who looks like he's lined up to start game four. Uh, you know, maybe it's going to be Kyle Wright, <laughs> which would be a fun story. I was and I was going to say, I, I think a lot of it has to do with who's hot. Like the idea that Kyle Wright looks so good. for You know what? We, we got to try him. And he looked great for one inning. So he's coming. We, we, we got to use him. And I, I do. I think it is minute to minute, day to day, last impression, next impression. All right. Tell me what you think is going on with Alex Bregman. I did a segment on SportsCenter today about him, how he looks completely lost. And I think what's a little bit shocking about this is, is that you and I, since he broke into the big leagues, has oozed confidence. Like he's oh, God, like yeah. Derek Jeter. He's, he reminded me, reminded me in his early years of his career of a guy like Derek Jeter, where he, he just walked into the game, walked into the ballpark, assuming he was going to get two hits and that he was going to kick somebody's rear end. And to watch him, as I described yesterday, you know, taking round after round after round after round of batting practice and reviewing his swings from batting practice on an iPad between uh, between rounds, you're like, wow, this is a different guy right now. He had 113 in the last 14 games of regular season. Um, you know, in that uh, division series, had some nice moments, but in the last two rounds, batting 167. Yeah, th- this is not a guy I recognize at all. 
I mean, I, I and the one that I would always relate him to was Dustin Pedroia. And Dustin Pedroia, as you know, there are great stories about uh, going back to Colorado after taking Jeff Francis deep. and Somebody didn't recognize him when he was trying to walk into the stadium. And he said, just go ask Jeff Francis who the hell I am. That was who Alex Bregman was. Um, there was a there was a confidence and a cockiness and an arrogance. And the other part of it to me, maybe more importantly than anything, there was a joy about him. Um, he, he, he loved the game. He, he loved the competition. He loved his teammates. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what role George Springer plays in all this as a as sort of a, a foundational piece in that clubhouse. Um, but I don't think that you're dependent on somebody being there for your attitude and actions and all those things. I, I'm, uh, I'm really surprised at, at where he's at. What, what effect the 2017 scandal had on him and perhaps it's a you know it's a it's a hangover thing with him and others are not as affected by it i i don't know but i i do know this is a person and a player that is that's unrecognizable and i know you know on baseball tonight we did that whole thing with jessica where jess mendoza where he would he'd take a swing and he'd finish a round and he'd immediately go to the video like there was something about him, and, and we all know the legendary stories at LSU and his turning on car headlights so he could work out, and he was a, you know, dedicated as anybody to the, to the craft. But that idea that it's become so in his head, like I got to get my hands inside. I, he just struck yeah. me as the guy I'd want on my team because I know we're good here. He's going to fight like hell, and he's probably still. I know he's doing all those things, but boy, there's there's just a you know there there's a tire that's flat, and that's never how how I perceived him. And, and I think he, you know, obviously the team and he are better off if he can get that mojo back. Last one for you, uh, the Braves hosting game three of the world series. And you would assume that there are probably going to be some protests there. There's a lot of conversation about the team name. Uh, we've seen the Washington football team change its name. We've seen the Cleveland baseball team change its name. I think it's only a matter of time, Carl, before the Atlanta baseball franchise changes its name. Uh, it's, you know, and I don't know when that's going to happen, but, you know, given the, uh, you know, the trends in the world and, and uh, I think uh, in this country and the corrections that are being made, I think the sooner the better in terms of the, the franchise making the adjustment. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's indefensible. Yes, that, that's that's coming. That That's that's apparent that that's going to happen. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be fought. I know that the. Uh, you know, the comments from Rob Manford about regionalization and the connection between the area and and Indians is critical and important. Uh, you know, I I think what he was trying to do was was kind of stand there and let everyone know we are we are aware, uh, but we're also aware of the history and the importance. And I know that uh, that certain communities were very upset with what he said. So. I, I I just don't think that you can get in the way of what appears to be a you know a massive movement throughout the country for these things to be as you said corrected and this will be this feels like it's certainly going to be another one. I mean it, it's yeah. happened in in the sports world. It's it's coming here. In some respects, when I saw the reaction and it was a strong reaction to what Rob said, I I, I kind of shook my head a little bit because I don't think anyone should take him seriously when he speaks to an issue like that. Because to me, this is a reminder. He's a lawyer for the teams. Like, right. that's what he was right. speaking. He's an advocate for the teams. 
He's not someone who is uh, sitting in a throne and he's representing the interest of all baseball fans. He's a lawyer for the Atlanta Braves baseball franchise. Right. And that's uh-huh. where that perspective is coming from. And he's yep. waiting for his employer to essentially make a decision and then Rob will say something different. And that's just the reality of the, the moment. All right, Carl, I appreciate it. Buster, talk to you soon, buddy. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Buster. Can't wait for more baseball. Yeah, you're fretting about the weather like a lot of people. That was the first one you uh, popped up on Zoom this morning. It was the first thing that you mentioned. Uh, We'll wait and see, right? Yeah, I mean, you're there. You can uh, give us a little bit more uh, on the ground reporting. But uh, I was reading weather.com late last night. Did not enjoy seeing the word numerous next to showers, but uh, fingers crossed. Sarah, we, uh, Carl and I were talking about the struggles of Alex Bregman. Tell me what you're seeing in him. Yeah, it does seem like he just doesn't look like the player that we saw be so successful in October and in the regular season over the last few years. I mean, I know this year was a bit of a struggle with injury and everything else, but kind of seems to be maybe swinging too hard, something like that. But we know how impactful he can be for this Astros offense. And I feel like when I'm watching him at the plate, I'm just waiting for something to click and him to get back to being that super impactful Alex Bregman that he's been so much in the past. Yeah. It, it seemed like there's so many situations in past postseasons when he come to the play with a runner at third base and you're like, there's no doubt he's going to find a way, you yes. know, to get ahead and to drive in a run. And he did get a sacrifice fly uh, to get the Astros their first run in game two. We'll see if he builds on that. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. 
Number three is five. So speaking of that Astros offense, they have not really been struggling overall, even with Bregman struggling a bit. They've won seven games by five or more runs this postseason, which is tied with the 2007 Red Sox for the most in a single postseason. And they've scored five or more runs in 10 games this postseason, which is tied for the second most in any single postseason, trailing only the 2015 Royals who had 11. Now, of course, that is a bit dictated by more and more rounds, more and more games that you can play, but it's still showing you that most of the time this postseason, they've put up at least five rounds. Number two. Number two is six. So I thought this was really fun looking into this yesterday. Truist Park will become the sixth ballpark where the Braves will play World Series home games. That is two more than any other franchise. So we have Truist Park, Turner Field, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, Milwaukee County Stadium, Bravesfield, and Fenway Park. So just pretty incredible. And of course, uh, our friend Todd Radom, uh, when I tweeted this out yesterday, responded and said he went to the first World Series home game for them in 1999 at Turner Field and was sitting there thinking this is going to be the first of many. It ended up being the first of two. Number three. Number one. (laughs) (laughs) Number one is 1995. So the Braves' last World Series game win at home was in 1995 in World Series Game 6, October 28th. That's what they won to clinch that World Series. So they've lost five straight World Series home games, which is the longest active streak. The only streaks of more than five straight World Series losses at home are the 1961-72 Reds, who lost seven straight 1918 to 35 Cubs who lost seven straight and then six game streaks by the Yankees and the Tigers. So if the Braves don't win tonight, they would be joining that list. All right. What do you think of the phrase arm barn? (laughs) I thought that that was the exact type of email that everyone who covers baseball gets on a World Series off day um, in terms of these (laughs) PR pitches that we get. Um, I think they got the appropriate reaction that they were probably looking for. And I think all things aside, arm burn is a very fun phrase. Do we need to change it? Is this a request for attention? Whatever else I, you know, we can, I think I've made it clear what my thought is there, but just separately, like I would love to use that phrase in some way because it's fun. It rhymes. I enjoy it. Yeah, and and I think you'll agree with me. It will be used by some writer next year, no question about it. Maybe you, maybe me. Absolutely. I mean, now it feels like one of those things you just slide into an article when you don't want to say bullpen again. Say armbar. I know, right? Exactly. Now it's it uh, because we're having a fun conversation about it, it makes it more tongue in cheek as well. Exactly. All right, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. We will talk to you on Monday. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Enjoy the game. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America or all around the world. Or you can go to his website, ToddRadom.com. Todd, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, Buster. It's World Series Friday. How are you? I'm doing okay. I was talking with Carl Ravitch about, uh, you know, the conversation this week about the the name for the Atlanta baseball franchise. And, and my perspective is, look, it's only a matter of time before it gets changed uh, we saw it happen with the Washington football team. We saw it happen with the Cleveland baseball franchise. It's an indefensible position that eventually they, they, it, you know, the, the franchise will relent. And I was a little bit surprised that there was such a, 
uh, a strong reaction to what Rob Manfred said, because I don't think of Rob as being this neutral arbitrator who is, you know, is seeking, uh, you know, the high ground and the, the, you know, the, the absolute truth and, and the best possible way. I think of him as being a lawyer for the Atlanta baseball franchise. What do you think? Buster, I agree with you. The days of an independent commissioner, the likes of Bart Giamatti or Faye Vincent, these are long gone. Uh, Rob Manfred's job is to protect the bag, to increase revenue, to steer the ship of state straight forward and uh, avoiding controversy. And, you know, being an advocate for one of these 30 clubs is what he's all about. So, of course, he is in this case, especially at this time in the middle of a World Series, going to take that kind of position. No surprise. No. And, and you think of it, you know, like uh, we'll see these uh, cases that will play out on television um, and there'll be someone on trial and, and his lawyer will say he's completely innocent. That's that's Rob's job for for these teams. Buster, I have a very close friend of mine who is a high powered defense attorney who has defended some very unsavory people very publicly. I see his face all over the news on occasion. And, you know, in private moments, he will say to me, listen, everybody's entitled to a defense. This is part of our system. And I think Rob Manfred would say that uh, all of those people who pay his salary are entitled to, um, yeah, that kind of thing. Let's just leave it at that. All right. I think that uh, through its time, PETA has done great work um, on you know, behalf of animals. Um, in this case, Arm Barn. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, like I don't, well, I don't really, I don't, I said to Carl Rabbit, I, I don't think cows are literally uh, offended by the term bullpen. What do you think? Well, you are our bovine witness. Uh, you can attest to you know, all things in terms of being an expert witness for cows, Buster. And uh, I think that we do live in an age of, of, um, of, 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 of contrived controversy. How about that? So PETA, which I will agree with you, they do great work. I like animals. I have a cat. Um, I, <laughs> um, I think what they did is they, they uh, put some... They wouldn't look at it this way, but they put some bait on the hook and they cast a, a uh, thing into the water and they got what they wanted because here we are talking about this. <laughs> of course, of course, this is net, never going to happen. Uh, I was thinking yesterday there is a bullpen entrance at City Field. They'd have to, like, you know, redo the sign there. Right. I mean, it's never going to happen. And the word bullpen. I mean, it's very I saw uh, the official MLB historian, John Thorne. Tweeting about this yesterday, the origins of the word, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Taylor, I know uh, every day you try to come up with a title for the uh, the episodes that we do with the podcast, and I think Contrived Controversy, yes, will probably be the uh, title for today's podcast. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Good call. Nice. Knew, as soon as Todd said that, I'm like, there you go. Taylor's like, check that box. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, now, let's see if that's all Taylor gets right today. We've got this week's quiz. What do you got wow. for us, Todd? Week 33, gentlemen. And Buster, you kind of led the witness as a high-powered defense attorney. So here we go. Long before they were the Atlanta Braves, they played in Boston, where they went by a number of nicknames before becoming Braves. Which one of these nicknames did they not go by? Was it A, Bean Eaters? B, Doves, C, Lobstermen, or D, Rustlers? 
they were not one of these. The bean eaters, the doves, the lobster men, or the rustlers. Taylor, what do you got? Mm, I'm leaning lobster men or bean eaters. Let's go. Let's go lobster men. I'm going to go with doves. B. Taylor, Taylor, yes. Taylor, you are the man this week. The Lobsterman was never, never, never a name for the Boston National League franchise. The Doves, however, Buster, for the owners, the Dovey brothers. They were the oh, Doves. They were also the Rustlers for one season in honor of owner William H. Russell. And yes, they were bean eaters. They ate beans in Boston in the late 1890s. So Taylor, Taylor, congratulations, yes. my friend. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. I, I know. Just, I think we're going to get tweets about this. I, I just in the nick of time here. <laughs> right. You wanted one last piece of success to build on for next year, for sure. Yeah, Taylor, for sure. you must be feeling good. It's like a bowl win in college college football. It doesn't really mean that much, but it could set you up for success come next season. So I'm, I'm pleased with my victory today. Yeah, the Arm Barn Bowl, sponsored by <laughs> Major League Baseball. <laughs> my PETA. <laughs> oh, there you go. That would you want to get attention? You can invest some money into uh, a bowl sponsorship. How about that? But however, <laughs> we would have to reassess what uh, footballs are made of. But we've gone down this track like in a weird direction. So I'll just leave it there. <laughs> okay, Todd. Thanks for doing this. Always great to talk to you. All right, guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a glorious Friday. Eric Sorensen is up first at Coach Sorensen 9. I believe Eric is a fellow farmer as well. Uh, yep. He writes in, really curious, your take on PETA wanting to change the name of the bullpen. This is ridiculous. Things are getting out of hand if this happens. Buster, you've made it pretty clear uh, where, where you stand on this. Yeah, uh, I, Eric, I agree with you. I, I mean, it's a bridge too far, but I think Todd nailed it. Peter's like, hmm, how can we get people talking about PETA? 100%. Well, you know what? Let's talk about Arm Barn. Uh, go away. Like, go go do something, you know, more useful with your time, PETA, please. Adam Wolf is up next. At Adam Wolf Horn writes in, hey, Rev and Buster. So, yeah, World Series or whatever. But leave it to Preller to shock us all hiring Melvin away. How do you like how this coaching staff is shaking out? What can the Friar faithful expect from Melvin? Yeah, I thought it was exactly the right type of person. They needed to have someone with experience and with credibility with players. And Bob Melvin has that. I'm sure that, you know, the last few days is, is word probably was filtering throughout the uh, San Diego organization that Melvin was being considered. They're probably text messages to current San Diego players from other players saying, you know what, you're really going to like this guy. Like that, uh, that text I mentioned that I got from Tony Kemp last night. The the Padres hiring Bob Melvin kind of seems like a like when we had Ravi do the uh, who wants to be a billionaire bit when we were like, yeah. OK, what would you do? It'd be like, oh, I'd go sign Bob Melvin. And that's kind of what they did. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Unfortunately, we we're talking about the Mets at that time. Right. And they're not doing what <laughs> Ravi would have recommended. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Brian rolls up next at Brian Baseball five. He writes in, wow, Bob Melvin leaving seems like a huge loss for Oakland. Who do you see replacing him? Somebody who has a salary that can be measured in six figures and not seven, uh, you know, because it looks like this winter there's going to be some major cost cutting. You know, that we might see Matt Olson in the trade market. You wonder about Matt Chapman, uh, other useful pieces. It could be a really difficult winter for Oakland fans. 
as the uh, owners put their hands out for $12 billion from the uh, the cities of Oakland, San go. Francisco. Ernesto Cedillo writes in, Joey Gallo qualified as a finalist for Silver Slugger at DH and Golden Glove in right field. How does the voting get tabulated that makes this possible? A lot of people incredulous about Joey Gallo making these lists. Yeah, I don't understand the DH thing, right? That That's the mm-hmm. one that surprised me because it's pretty clear he's an outfielder. He's a really great outfielder. Um, that, that, uh, I don't know. It feels like they tried to squeeze, uh, squeeze a name in and, and to, you know, to, to be more inclusive with a wider range of players that didn't make any sense to me. Last one for the week, Paul Swanick at Welsh Brewer 70. Paul writes in Buster and Rev just heard an NFL podcast here in the UK. The mayor of London has said that major league baseball will be returning next year to London. What have you heard? Are we taking the Boy. pod international buster? I hope I would love I would love to do that to uh, to be in London next year uh, for for games that would be a lot of fun I went back the first time they played um, you know that weekend when we had the Yankees and and the Red Sox in London Uh, man what what a trip that was that was uh, and it felt like a different time as well right yeah for real (laughs) like pre pandemic where you could uh, you know go over there and I'm jumping on a plane and I think I I told you went on a tour of uh, Normandy. One day, and it was uh, that was that was a great experience. That would be fun to have that again. You know, maybe maybe we'll see the Cardinals and the Cubs over there next year. A lot of fun. And hey, real quick, Buster, as uh, we wrap up, uh, all the Alex Bregman talk has inspired me to ride the under for his uh, his hits tonight as I place my bets for the evening. So I'm sure it's at at point five. So you know if he gets a hit or not. So I'm going to go under because you're saying he's all out of sorts. It's been hitting recently, so uh, that's what I'm going with. How do you feel about they're that? Not, I must say, there are not many times um, where I, I, you know, you watch a player, because I'm not a player, but you can almost literally see the thought bubbles over his head. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it feels right now. Like, oh, that was my swing. Uh, and the, and again, as I was saying to Carl, it's, it's, it's just the complete opposite of this great instinctual player that we saw in the first years of his career. And it'll be interesting to see if he works his way through during the course of this series. I know, uh, you know, I think I related the story that Dusty Baker um, has talked about, boy, he takes a lot of, uh, of, of uh, batting practice. And I asked Dusty, I said, Dusty, I know you well enough to know you probably mentioned that to him. And, uh, and he kind of smiled. He goes, yep. And the response was, thanks, Skip. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, or okay, skip. And it was like, I'm moving on. I've got my process and Dusty's going to respect us. All righty. Well, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter as you're watching all three games this weekend. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you consume your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Ravi, Sarah, Todd, and Taylor, the Rev. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.